There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Bucks officially begin preparations today, kind of a bonus day, if you will, a little bit of a walkthrough practice this afternoon for their wildcard game on Monday night football against the Dallas Cowboys. That's going to be uh, quite a quite a twil- tilt. We got a big week ahead. We're going to talk to Byron Leftwich later this afternoon, and then um, for the rest of the week, of course, uh, Todd Bowles, Tom Brady, all those guys coming up. So we'll get their thoughts on returning to the playoffs and just how far they think they can go, and all about the Dallas Cowboys as well. I saw where Mike McCarthy said he just wants to bury their last game, <laughs> just throw it away. Um, I think there's probably a general feeling that that's the case here in Tampa Bay too. Of course, the difference is is that. Dallas actually sort of tried to play to win, and the Bucks did not. And Dallas still looked bad. So, Cowboys have some issues, man. They um, their defense has given up a lot of yards. I think twenty eight and a half points the last four games, on average. They, uh, you know, obviously Dak Prescott has thrown a lot of interceptions, twelve, I think, in the last six or seven games. Some of those are tip passes and things, but just not playing well. So, both teams trying to. Uh, to get a little momentum and, and win this uh, this wild card game. Also, there's been a lot of uh, coaching news, rumors, uh, innuendo, and otherwise it's that time of year, right? Black Monday didn't produce a ton of firings, although uh, there was one uh, the other day we didn't talk a lot about, and that is Cliff Kingsbury has been uh, let go by the Arizona Cardinals, who seem to be starting over altogether. Their general manager, John Kayyem, uh, has been uh, on, a, uh, on a medical leave. He's no longer going to be GM. I think he'll stay, stay in the the organization and help Bill Bedwell, but um, Kingsbury just signed a year ago. Get this. How would you like to be this dude? First of all, he's not a bad looking guy, right? He looks like he could be in Hollywood. Um, and then he, he's, he's coming away from a, a brand new five year contract. I think he'll be paid through 2027. He's in no hurry at all to work. If there's probably an offset, which means if he goes someplace else, they'll deduct whatever he makes there. But, um, yeah, just and he 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 knew it was coming. It, he wasn't. I don't even know that he was that. I'm sure he didn't want to be fired, but I don't even know that he was that disagreeable to it. From what I understand, and and talking to some people close to that situation out there in Arizona, like several removed, they don't work there now. But I I think that there's a big problem with Kyler Murray, and when I say that, I mean I think he's kind of a jerk from what I hear. Like he's not easy to work with, which is a shame because he's a really talented guy. And I'm, I'm speaking completely out of turn because I don't know him. I've never met him. Um, these are people who have worked with him, though, and, and, and been around him pretty closely. And uh, they don't have a high opinion of him. And that, that was sort of the narrative right going on with Kingsbury is that how hard did the guy work? Did he um, put in the time? You know, that sort of thing. Um, we saw them sort of you know bump heads on the field during games. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I I don't know how good of a job is Arizona, Steve. I don't know that it's that good of a job right now. As long as Kyler Murray's the quarterback, and if if those reports are even somewhat true, yeah. And and the word is is that he's going to have a say in the coaching hire too, sure. or at least you yeah. know, input. Which I guess if he's which your you franchise need, quarterback, yeah. you do want input. Now, how much input and whether he gets the final say or not, 
who knows? But like you see flashes from Kyler. Oh, he's talented now, and, and he's got the talent. I, I don't know if Kingsbury was the right coach for him or if it was just he was too stubborn. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, but I, that one would worry me a little bit, that job. Although, I mean, there's 32 of them. Someone's going to take that job. Oh, they'll take it, no doubt. And the thing is, is that I think they got to a point where you're not going to fire the quarterback, right? Like, if, if somebody had to go because they couldn't work well together and it was going to be the coach. And I think the coach understood that, that, like, look, we're – we're not simpatico here. Simpatico here. We 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 need to uh, find a way to resolve this because it's not working between me and him. And so that's why I think they they let Kingsbury go. And I think he totally understood that. And he's walking away with a ton of money. He's not, um, you know, that upset. I mean, I know he wants to be coached, but I think he knew that they had an untenable situation. I mean, there was, he was just not going to work with Kyler Murray and him. So I, you're right. I don't know who they bring in. Cardinals just seem like one of these organizations over the last few years. Really, when B.A. was there, they had some success. He turned it around. Then when he left, not so much. And, and it's just sort of kind of a grab bag. You know, you really know don't know what's going on. And Murray is talented. That you know. You've seen him throw. He's very accurate. He's a little guy. can still run around, do some stuff. Um, but somebody's got to come in there and help him. The other mystery, uh, you know, out in the NFC West is going to be, what does Sean McVay do? I mean, Sean McVay is taking his time to kind of evaluate what he wants to do. They're in a total rebuild, although Matt Stafford said he's going to try, come back and try to play. And I think that McVay is sort of at a point where, you know, recently married, um, kind of burned out, doesn't necessarily want to go through a rebuild process. They don't have many, they don't have many draft picks because of all that they gave up to win a Super Bowl. And it's just not really fun for all you pour into it uh, to get your brain speed out. And, and I'm not sure he wants to make that commitment. But the good thing about him is he's so young, he could stay out of the game for 10 years and come back and still be one of the younger coaches in the league. And he said, I'm not done with coaching. I just don't know if I want to do it now. Um, and, of course, all the broadcasting jobs and things that are out there. So that could be a job that's open. Um, we know about Carolina. We know that Indy uh, is still trying to decide what they're going to do. With Jeff Saturday, who's a candidate, they've talked to, uh, I think, a number of guys. I think they're going to talk to Jim Harbaugh, which seems like a fit there. Denver has talked to Jim Harbaugh, I think. Uh, I think Raheem Morris is going to talk to the Broncos as well, which that would be a great hire if Raheem could get that job. Um, and then Washington, I think Ron Rivera is going to meet with whatever the ownership is. They're in the process, I think, of selling the team. So that might be a little trickier one. We still don't know about. I mean, I assume that, that Vrabel's okay. Haven't heard anything about him. Obviously, I'm I'm fairly resolute in this. We'll see what happens in the playoffs. The top Bowles is okay. So um, the other talk has been in the NFL, what do the Bears do? Now that they have the number one overall pick, there was a suggestion by Mike Tannenbaum, former general manager, that maybe they should trade Justin Fields. Maybe they should say, hey, come get him one or two or three, whatever, whatever you know, and all of those, by the way, um, whatever you can get for him, add some draft picks, take Alabama's Bryce Young, who you, who might be a better quarterback, and, and continue to surround whoever the quarterback is, but get some draft capital, really big time get draft capital for Justin Fields, rather than trading the first pick and, and using that draft capital to surround Justin Fields. I think there's, I just, I wonder what the Bears think. This is not the Bears saying this. These are other people like Tannenbaum that they're just saying, you know, maybe they should do this. The Bears have said they'll they haven't taken anything off the table, which would include 
drafting Bryce Young. So um, they have to because they want teams to make them the best offer and, and be prepared to take the player if you don't get it. But I, that's interesting. I, I don't know what I think of Justin Fields. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't think he played enough at Ohio State um, to have sort of that solid foundation, that background, and, and, and the Bears have been bad around him. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot on his own. He's uh, you know, one of these guys that's going to make a ton of plays with his feet as well as his arm, but I don't know that he's advanced much as, as in the quarterback position because they, they just don't simply have much in terms of receivers and things. But I have a feeling, and even though he's smaller, and I mean considerably smaller, I have a feeling Bryce Young is a better player. Just my just my eye test is, mm-hmm. you know, watching what Bryce Young did at Alabama, not one but two years, and then, um, you know, sort of the way he sees the field, and he does stuff mostly from the pocket. I just think he's going to transition better to the NFL than Justin Fields did. Well, and if you believe that, then you need to trade Justin Fields. <laughs> yeah, because, right. Well, but not only that, but Bryce Young, you have a control for five years. That's that's another part or of Justin this, right? Fields is what uh, two years into he's his got five two years, more so. two or three more years he's probably got five year contract yeah. but by mm-hmm. year four you're trying to lock him down if he's any good mm-hmm. um, and, and so we yeah, know, that helps your salary cap we know in the NFL if you can win with a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. or a quarterback on his rookie deal right it allows you so much flexibility oh yeah. You know and, and granted I don't think the Bears with whoever the quarterback is this year is going to win. I don't. I don't think they they have enough talent to even fix I don't it for this enough. coming yeah. season. I mean, they right. can they can be a better team. Plus, Atlanta's. Or, sorry, the Lions are pretty good, mm-hmm. right? We saw yep. that. We don't know what Green Bay, but if Rodgers comes back, you know they'll be good. Minnesota's in the playoffs. It's a tough division. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, especially the way the Lions finish the season. If Rodgers does return, I mean, he owns the Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, so the part owner, he'll, maybe he has a say on who they take at quarterback, and right. then. And then uh, Kirk Cousins in Minnesota, which, you know, I mean, they that 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 season for them is the craziest thing. I think they have a minus uh, point differential, or pretty, or ba- barely yeah. over zero, and they're what twelve and five or thirteen and four. <laughs> right, right. Uh, the amount That's of crazy. one score games that they've won this year is just incredible. So, yeah, no one would be surprised if Minnesota loses their first round game. Um, and also no one would be surprised if they make a run. That's just kind of the team they've been. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, there's a lot of, a lot of bad uh, vibes about Kirk Cousins. I think he's a good quarterback. I, I, I just watched him enough to know that I think he's a winner. Um, but, you know, the Vikings have been a, an oddball team this year. And, again, the NFC, so if the Bucks were to win on Sunday – Let's say they they beat Dallas, and if they do, imagine what what the narrative will be, right? Whoa, you don't want to play the Bucks? Tom Brady whew, took down a good Dallas team, man. They're gonna to have to fire Mike McCarthy. Dallas is a train wreck, whatever. So there'll be this whole bump. You know, all the wild card teams that win this weekend or Monday night will get a huge bump. It'd be like you don't want to face those guys. Well, you realize that the better teams aren't playing <laughs> mm-hmm. for a reason because they're the better teams. Um, and so then you know you have. But if, if there's an upset, if there's, you know, if the Giants were to beat Minnesota, if the Seahawks were to go in and beat the 49ers, now you reshuffle the deck, right? And then that determines where Tampa Bay is going. Right now, if it's all chalk, if Minnesota wins and San Francisco wins, guess what? Bucks are going to go to Philadelphia, mm-hmm. right? Because they're the lowest seeded team. But if you get one wild card victory, 
um, from one of the other teams that's not a division winner, then all of a sudden the Bucks will be going elsewhere. They won't be going mm-hmm. to Philadelphia. And and if both the Giants money, still, and the Seahawks win, the Bucks would host. Oh yeah, you host, they would host game. the Giants. How about that? Yeah, how about that? That that would be the best scenario for the Bucks. So anything can happen, man. It's uh you know it's why that's why they play the games. Everybody has the same zero zero record now. So and like um, we, like we said, what quarterbacks do you trust in the NFC? Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, even, I mean, Jalen Hurts, his shoulder is not right. It's not right. And it didn't look completely right to me the other day. They won the game. He played. That's fine. But the Eagles weren't playing very well before he got back. And um, I don't know. I don't know how sound his shoulder is. I don't know how good they're going to be. Of course, he's got another week to rest it. And then, you know, Aaron Rodgers is out, right? You still have a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy who's been phenomenal, but he's a rookie quarterback. What happens when the pressure's on? They're down a score or two if they can get them in that position. I don't know that anybody will, but if they do and he has to throw every down to get them back in a game, how does he handle that? That's still a question mark to me. We haven't had, we haven't seen him have to do that, and maybe he never will. Minnesota, it, we just talked about. I mean, you know, you don't know what to expect there. And then, you know, the wild card teams, uh, they've already beaten Seattle. If somehow Seattle were to win in San Francisco, the Bucks have beaten them, and I thought, Probably one of their better games because Seattle had t- trouble stopping the run. The Bucks shut down their run, and Geno Smith, you know, finally got started throwing the ball in the second half. And I thought he looked pretty good, but but first half they didn't really try it that much. So they were that's one of the more complete games was against the Seahawks. So you know, like I said, the NFC still seems to me to be sort of wide open. Now that said, there's a reason why Philadelphia has a bye. They've been the best team all year in the NFC, so we'll see what they do. But yeah, this is. Um, you know, we're gonna have we're gonna know a lot uh, come around twelve twelve thirty on Monday night if the Bucks are still alive. That confidence pick, like you talked about with the quarterback, it's hard not to have confidence in Tom Brady this time of year. Anyway, we're gonna get to mailbag questions. We had a bunch left over from yesterday that we want to talk about, but first, I want to tell you about May Electric Solar. If you want to save money on your electric bill, try our friends there. They've been installing solar electric systems for a dozen years in in this area and in the field with all these. Fly-by-night companies, May Electric Solar is committed to you for the long term. Here's the difference. They guarantee their workmanship with a 30-year labor and services warranty. So think about that. Three decades, something goes wrong, boom, they're out there fixing it. Plus, with every installation, you get $750 worth of surge protection for all your appliances. That is the main difference. If you visit their Hudson showroom, May Electric displays all their products. They conduct on-site testing. And you can see what they're going to install. Plus, they don't use subcontractors. So you know those people up there on the roof work for Billy May. They are the ones doing the job. Start saving today. Call the solar energy experts at May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. You can schedule a free estimate. You can lower your electric bill all year long. Preserve the quality of your life and of your appliances. That's May Electric Solar, 727-819-2862. All right, so we had some questions uh, left over from the mailbag, quite a few of them actually, and uh, let's let's get through those. Yeah, yesterday we took a lot of questions about the game this Monday. Now, a lot of these questions are looking forward. So Dominic tweeted, mm-hmm. do you think Todd Bowles is in charge of the Bucks for the first game next season? I do, and I shouldn't have hesitated as much as I did. I was kind of thinking, like, what would change that? But, no, I do think that Todd Bowles will be the head coach of your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that will not thrill a lot of the people that are on uh, Twitter uh, or fans, maybe some fans in general, but I think it's the right thing. Listen, you can say this over and over again, and, and, and I don't know how many times I can say it, and that is 
this football team, just because Tom Brady was the quarterback at age 45, there was an assumption that, well, boom, you're right back, you know, contending for a Super Bowl. And in fact, they're exactly where they were a year ago. They're back in the wild card. No, no better, no worse. Okay. And if they win, they'll be back to the divisional championship like they were a year ago when they lost to the Rams. So all that is still possible. You can still equal that or maybe even, maybe even go past it if you were to able to win the second round game. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, the bottom line is that Todd Bowles was hired on March 30th and had no ability to pick any of his coaches. He inherited the entire staff. Because of that, he decided to call the defense, which is not an easy thing to do from a time management standpoint. When you're the head coach, everything comes past your desk. You're in charge of all of it, so you don't have a lot of time. But yet he felt compelled to do it because he didn't have time to hire somebody or appoint somebody on his staff to do it for him. Casey Rogers and Larry Foote are co-coordinators. They help him with that side of the ball, but they are not calling the plays. They are not the play caller he is. And then on the offensive side, he inherited Byron Lepwich. Even though they work together, Byron Lefwich's offense is the one that he learned from Bruce Arians and has run since Pittsburgh, right? And then all again with the Cardinals. And he's had to sort of morph this thing into what Tom Brady wants and, and does do, which is a lot more running the football, um, shorter passes. You know, they're not, they're not stretching the field. They're not attacking down the field the way uh, Bruce and, and, you know, used to do with, um, you know, with Byron. And so, it's changed, and yet Byron's going to be, I think, still held responsible for a team that only scored about 17, 18 points a game. And so there's possible there could be a change there, possible. But Todd Bowles didn't pick Byron Lefwich. Byron Lefwich was on the staff. He inherited the whole staff. That's number one. Number two is you can't be naive to the change on the roster, the change. I counted like something like 20 players, maybe 21 players from the Super Bowl team remain on this roster which is not a lot when you think about it. It's only two years ago. And so they've had a lot of turnover this year, in particular on the offensive line, the injury to Ryan Jensen, um, Rob Gronkowski retiring, significant, significant losses. Even the, even the third wide receiver is as crazy as Antonio Brown is and was. When he was rolling in 2020, when he was playing in 2021, he was still more productive than anything that they've had at the third wide receiver spot this year. Julio Jones has been hurt pretty much all year long. Russell Gage for a good period of time. So they never really got on track as an offense. And I just think, you know, when you lose a Shaq Barrett, who's an elite pass rusher and certainly their best pass rusher, and you're forced to play young guys like Jotron Sawinka and Anthony Nelson, it's not the same. Akeem Hicks was hurt a lot. You decided not to bring back Indomitian Sue. You can question whether that was smart or not, he was in, he's in Philadelphia, but you didn't do it, and Akeem Hicks has been hurt quite a bit. So a lot of things happen that I think affects your bottom line, which is your win-loss column. And having said all of that, Todd Bowles still managed to keep this team on the rails long enough for Tom Brady to come back and win four games in the fourth quarter or later, and they, they won the NFC South. If we're going to judge coaches on results, right, if we're just going to say, hey, what did you do, right? Did you win or lose? Well, they, they lost more games than they won in the regular season. They were 8-9. One of those was a game that they played uh, they're, you know, played Brady about a quarter and a half. Okay, so we can count it. We cannot count it. But that's what they are. You know what else they are? Division champions, period. That's on his resume. He's a division champion. What's your goal when you start the season? Do they say, hey, we want to win 10 games? 
We want to win 12 games. No, they ne- no one ever says that. No one ever picks a number. No one says, oh, you know, you always want to win every game. You want to be undefeated. But no one says that. No one says, you know, if we go if we go 10 and, and 7, if we go 11 and 6, it's win the division. we got to win the division. Why? Because that's the only way you're guaranteed a spot in the tournament. You can go, you know, 14 and 2 in your division, right? Um and if there's a team that goes 15 and 1, guess what? They're guaranteed a spot. Now you're probably going to make the wild card with that record, but it's not guaranteed. So, he won the division. It's his first year. Are we firing coaches after one year now that win division championships because it's only the eighth one in the history of the franchise, eight. And you're going to fire one of those guys that produced one of the eight championships. I just don't think it's going to happen. He's well liked. The players play hard for him. Um, no one's quitting on him. Do they need staff changes? Will there likely be some? I think there's always going to be staff changes. I think some guys will go other places for better opportunity, and I think they'll make some changes because not everything went well this year. So for all the angst about Todd Bowles, and, and a lot of people think, you know, he's gone, he's terrible, look at him over there on the side. We talked about the whole, you know, no fire thing, which is bogus. Um, I, I think you have to be prepared that, that Todd Bowles is going to be their head coach of the Buccaneers next year. If he's not... I will be the first one to say I am floored by it. I, I, I will be genuinely floored by it. There's, there's been very few coaching changes that have taken me by surprise. Very few. This would be one. Um, most of the time when the Bucks, I think I've told five coaches they were getting fired before their owners did at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, including Tony Dungy and others. So I, I, I don't. I don't think this is going to fall on Todd's shoulders. I think it's, it's there's going to be staff changes, and and I think I think he deserves. I think he's done enough. Hasn't been great, you know, very uneven season. But also, let's not forget about who the quarterback is, right, and what he went through, and the fact that early in the year he was distracted, and maybe he wasn't as prepared as he normally does. I'm not saying he wasn't prepared because he's still the most prepared guy in the league, but not the way he does it, right? Um, so there, you know. Chris Godwin, ACL, MCL coming on. There's so many things that you can point to that you can't just say, well, it's the head coach. I think that's too simplistic, and I don't think the Bucks will fire him after one year. Let me ask this question. Mm-hmm. And, and assuming Todd Bowles is back next year, and I agree with you, will he be calling the defense next year? And I ask this meaning that the offense was the issue this year. He pretty yeah. much leaves it alone because he's got a game plan and call the defense. He's not right. really a executive like Bruce Arians was. Could go to defense, no. could go to offense. You know, Todd, and, and for a lot of reasons. I mean, he was appointed the coach, what, the end of March, April. You can't really bring yeah, in it was staff. Late. It was, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's a lot of reasons why he continued to call the defense. And the defense was pretty good this year. There it was has some, been. There were some, some moments where they didn't perform as you'd like late in the game here and there. But overall, what this defense yeah. has done has been very good. Will he be yeah, calling defense next year, or will they make changes in that regard so he has more input or, I don't want to say oversight per se, because that's not what it is. And it, it may depend on the quarterback too, but where he can be more involved in all facets of the game. I think his preference would be to not call it as a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he feels it takes up a lot of his time. And not that he's going to stick his nose and, and tell – Tom Brady or Byron Left, which had a game plan because he's not mm-hmm. right, but he could have a he could have more input. Well, he could be in there um, going, 
as a defensive guy when you do this. This is well, sure, you know, I mean, absolutely. He can he can break down the other defenses for them and say, hey, let me tell you what gives us problems. If they're playing this coverage, you might want to think about that. Now, mm-hmm. Again, he's not going to do the scripts. He's mm-hmm. not, whoever that person is, they're going to trust to do the game plan with whether it's Byron. Um, or Bill O'Brien, whoever it is, they're going to trust to do it with the quarterback, the starting quarterback, and the other quarterbacks in the room. But there's so much, and it's not just the offense, right? It's special teams. It's details about a lot of stuff, right? It's sideline comportment, you know? They had a player ejected in New Orleans this year. Now, could Todd Bowles have prevented that? I don't know. Maybe if he wasn't, you know, worried about the next defensive series. I don't know. I mean, you know, time management, okay? They switch from offense to defense. They're on defense. They're trying to stop them. Boom, they score a touchdown late in Cleveland. Now they're on offense. I know they had a discussion about what they were going to do. But if he's not literally just coming off seconds away from letting Cleveland tie it up on the final play of the game, um, and there's still time on the clock. You know, maybe his maybe his mentality is different. Maybe he's talking to the offensive coordinator about, hey, if, you know, we can do this, this, and this. You know, let's let's take a shot here. Let's be aggressive there. I don't know from a practical standpoint how calling a defense would have impact you as a head coach because there's so many decisions that have to be made, and not just whether you go for it on fourth down, but there's so much going on that. I think it would help you if you weren't the primary play caller on either side of the ball. I've seen offensive coaches get drowned by this too. I've seen it happen to John Gruden. And I I do believe that that Todd will try to find someone who's so familiar with the system. And maybe it's one of the two guys he has now. Maybe he appoints Larry Foote um, or, or Casey Rogers. I don't know. But I think I think he my in, inclination was that yes, he he did not want to have to call it. He felt an obligation to call it because of the lateness of when he was hired. And um, I think having worked with Rodgers and Foote this year as co-coordinators, there's there's a better than probably average chance that he, he turns that over to one of those guys or brings in somebody else. And it probably, you know, in his mind, it will help him on the offensive side. Again, not going to call plays, not going to get in there and tell them what to do, but you just would like to be able to be free enough to go in there and and at least understand the problems better and understand, you know, if you have to make lineup changes, if you have to do that sort of stuff, you at least have the time to devote to it. Right now it's a time management issue, and there's not enough hours in the day to be both the coordinator and the head coach and do everything you want as a head coach. And so I think he probably will give that up if he can find the right guy. He won't do it unless he's, you know, unless he's convinced that whoever calls it is going to call it right. All right, John tweeted us. He says, aside from Tom Brady, which key Bucks players might be suiting up for their last game, either with the team or literally? Win or lose, I'm watching them play the Cowboys with appreciation for the last three seasons and all the spectacular moments from them. Yeah, it's a great way to, to approach this game. You should appreciate it because I think home playoff games is about the fans. Uh, you know the regular season is great, and um, everybody's kind of follows them along, and and but you know everyone plays regular season games. When you get to this point, there's only 14 games left. It's about the fans, and you should enjoy the fact that your team is in it. That there's only 14. That that you know you're the only game at that time slot. That's pretty cool, and especially a home playoff game. Um, win or lose, I, I would look at certain guys, starting with Brady, of course. We, you don't know whether the GOAT is coming back or not. If he does play, will he play here? That I always say, and I wrote this 
last year when they got ready to play Philadelphia had a quote from, I think, like Christensen and said, look, at this point in, your, in his career, I would be looking at it like this could be the last time we ever see him on the field. Nothing has really changed about that. Uh, he did decide to come back after a 40-day retirement, but he's really right where he was a year ago, which is he's going to play the season. Then he's going to take a little more time this time. He's not going to make a decision you know, by February 1st. Um, but he's still got a decision to make. He doesn't have a contract. He is not under contract for the Bucks or anybody else, so he's a free agent. So before we get to free agency and he wants to choose a team if he decides to play, um, you know, he's got to think about what he wants to do. So I would look at, at Brady first as one of those guys. The other ones that I'm curious about is uh, someone like Levante David. Levante David is 32 years old. You know, time went by fast, man, but 32 is not young for a, a guy that's an inside linebacker in this league. Had over 100 and something tackles again. I think he was very close to or tied with uh, Devin White at one point. Um, stayed primarily injury-free. You know, this time a year ago, he had the Liz Frank injury and, and was about 60% in the playoffs when he came back. So that's good. But I just, you know, Levante doesn't have a contract next year. I don't know. Um, other ones I, I'm curious about, and there's some outs in their deals and, you know, some salary cap ramifications and things. But, like, is Donovan Smith going to be the left tackle next year? I don't know. Um you know, just going around the field, some you know, there's some young guys um, that they're gonna have to make decisions on. You know, and and as Jamel Dean, can you afford to pay him and Carlton Davis? I don't know. Sean Murphy Bunting is gonna be a free agent too. Don't know about Sean, Mike Edwards. You know, they, they, there's this young secondary core, and we saw Jordan Whitehead leave for that reason. They couldn't afford everybody. Uh, he ends up going to the Jets, so there could be some changes there. You know. Um, uh, trying to think on the offensive line. I mean, Ryan Jensen, we'll see how he comes back. Pretty much all those guys have a chance to return. Um, we mentioned Donovan Smith. Let's see where else will we be looking at. Cam Brate running back. Uh, Cam Brate could be his last game. Absolutely. Uh, for that matter, both those tight ends. I mean, we didn't see Kyle Rudolph very much, but he might not even play because he had a knee injury after he caught his 50th career touchdown the other night. Um, but Cam Brate is an interesting one because uh, no finer guy uh, from uh, from Hobbit will you find on the football team. Just a an absolute stud of a human being and has squeezed, I think, every last drop or close to it out of what he has athletically with all <clears throat> compound with all the injuries he's had. He's had a lot of stuff, right? He had hip injury. He's had some back stuff, um, you know, concussions, different things. He's a sore man, as John Gruden used to say. He's a sore man, you know. And wasn't anything specific, but um, never was never, you know, the the greatest athlete per se. He had tremendous hands. He makes all the combat catches, takes hits, comes down with the ball. But this year, the separation has been even less. Um, the targets have been way down. And in the biggest game of the year, the biggest game of the year which was the Carolina game that they had to win to, to get, you know, claim the NFC South. He was inactive. He was a healthy scratch. And, and instead they played Kyle Rudolph. And so, you know, that kind of tells me that, mm, I wonder, you know. We'll see. This is now the next biggest game. We'll see if he's up and active in this Dallas game. Um, but I'm not sure about about Cam. That That's a really good one. And, you know, for that matter, I mean, you have – some specialists, you know, Ryan Suckup, I think, has had a great year. He most likely will come back, but he's up there in age. So, 
you just never know. But um, there's there's certainly a number of them, starting with, and especially appreciate if you're going to the game or not, that we don't know if we're going to see Levante David again in a Bucks uniform or maybe at all. You know, he's, like I said, I think he has pretty good head on his shoulder. Um, married, has a child now. That can change your perspective. Played a long time at a very violent position in inside linebacker. So that'll be one to watch. All right. Michael tweeted us. He asked, are the Bucks happy with Kyle Trask's development? Well, they're happy in this sense, okay, is that he's working at it. And that's not insignificant when there is no carrot. You know, there's the old, you know, do you give them the stick? Do you give them the carrot, right? That's usually how you modify behavior. Well, in, in Trask's case, there's almost never a carrot. He got his first carrot in Atlanta the other day when they allowed him to make his NFL debut in a regular season game. He had never played in a regular season game. In fact, he's only had a helmet on the, in a uniform on the sideline just twice in his career. It was came earlier this year against the Baltimore Ravens that he at least was, you know, was active. And that you're like, well, who cares? Well, it's a big deal, man. You're on the team. You know, you want to feel like you're part of the team. He's on the active roster. Um, you rarely had dress in a, inactive third quarterbacks. And so that's kind of his role right now. But man, you, sh- you know, he looks around the league and he sees guys that he competed against and played against. And a lot of those guys are playing football and he feels like, well, I could do that or I could be better than that. But he has literally not hung his head one day. He, you know, the old adage, you know, first guy out, last guy in. On the practice field, the first quarterback, always early, always doing extra throwing is Kyle Trask. And he continues to work like that throughout practice, stays a little later sometimes, has worked on his body. He's he's a little leaner, I think, more athletic. He's squeezed more mobility out of out of he's never, you know, never a scrambler by me any means, but at least, you know, some functional mobility. Um, I think they're happy with him, but they have no clue. When I tell you this now, listen to me, they have no clue how he's going to play when he gets his chance. They don't know. How can you measure it when he's never been out there until just this past week? And even then, he had no reps in practice. Like the third quarterback, and they have four, by the way, because Ryan Griffin is on the practice squad, but the third quarterback doesn't take reps. He runs the scout squad offense. So most of the time, Kyle Trask spends, you know, trying to pick up what the other team is going to do against the Bucks, you know, and he's learning off of cards and trying to give them a look squad and all that stuff, and he's just out there kind of winging it. So he didn't even get during practice to perfect or to execute the Bucks offense. And, you know, from spinning out the play in the huddle to making the line checks to uh, seeing the rotation of the secondary and all that stuff, that was kind of his first bite of the apple the other day. Um, so... Are they happy with him? I don't know that they're doing backflips, um, but he's where he should be, which is head down, grinding away, trying to make the most of his opportunity when when it comes. And that's really all he can do. So I think they're happy with him from that standpoint. I mean, Todd Bowles was probably hyperbolic, but said the other day, you know, he's, what was it, one of the most committed guys I've ever been around and toughness and mental toughness. Like he just raved about the guy. Um, almost as if he was guilty about it. But, yeah, I, I think they like him fine. They absolutely have no idea what kind of quarterback he's going to be. And how could they? they got to play him. All right, Jay Collada tweeted us. He says, with not much cap space, what can the Bucks do to fix the offensive line if Tom Brady were to come back next season? Well, I think you take your first pick, whatever that is, um, which now would be, what, 
probably below twentieth, I would imagine. Nineteenth would um, be the uh, if they lose the, Monday, yeah, they're nineteenth. Yeah, so right around nineteen twenty, whatever. You take your first draft pick and you pray, okay, that an offensive lineman, particularly a tackle, hopefully a left tackle, that there's still one left that is worthy of that first pick that you have in the draft because they need to focus almost entirely on that offensive line. And it doesn't matter who the quarterback is, especially important if it's Brady because he's a pocket guy. He's not going to scramble around. He doesn't have a lot of mobility in there. So you have to protect him, number one. But whatever it is, you've got an all-pro at right tackle in Tristan Wirfs. Okay. Um, next to him, uh, you you have, you know, sort of an opening, right? Like you're not sure of, of who should play guard, right? Then you have the center situation where Robert Hainsey, who would have played guard, is now taking over for Ryan Jensen, but Jensen may be back. I don't know what kind of shape he'll be in or, or how he'll play. Um, but he's an older player that still has big money left on his contract, so he's he's going to be back. I thought Sha- Shaq Mason did okay this year. He didn't blow me away with his blocking necessarily, but he did okay. And I think you need to replace Donovan Smith pretty soon. And and nothing against Donnie because he's tough as hell and he fights. He really does fight for the most part. I don't know what he's strangling with 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 that hand with that you know hyperextended elbow that's bothered him all year. He's had a he's had a foot problem. He's had a lot of problems and a lot of scrutiny. Um, but regardless, he's also in his thirties. And after this year, there's an out. So um, you're going to have to groom somebody to take over at left tackle. And I don't think that person's on the roster. A lot of people say, well, why don't you just move Tristan Wirfs over there? Well, why would you want to mess up the greatest right tackle in the game and make him a lesser player on the left side just because? You know, yeah, it's the blind side of the quarterback and all that, but you know what? Go out and draft a guy or sign a free agent. Like, bring in some real talent here um, that can do the job and and would be an upgrade. Um, So... You know, that's that's kind of where I think it, it's at right now. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, Michael had asked, when was the last time all three Florida NFL teams made the playoffs in the same season? I had this question the other day, and Gene Fournette from uh, Jacksonville was doing a story about it. And I believe that it was uh, 1999. Correct. I believe that's the only time it's happened. Yeah, and the reason I remember it is because the Bucks went to the NFC Championship game and lost to the Rams in that 11-6 game where they were winning 6-5 against the greatest show on turf, and Ricky Prohl caught a touchdown after a timeout. They saw the blitz. Money kept it on. <laughs> threw it down the field. Warner hit it. And four minutes and 44 seconds, and then the Bucks still had time, came back down the field, and that was, remember, famous for the Burt Emanuel rule. They com- Sean King was quarterback. They completed a ball inside the 20 or just outside the 20. We saw time on the clock. And for whatever reason, and I don't think it was permitted back then, but they went to a replay to see if Emmanuel 
and indeed caught the ball. And in any other universe, it would have been a catch and had been in the NFL, but they ruled that somehow uh, while he had possession of the ball, the ground assisted in his catch. And then that started the whole debate about what is a catch, what isn't. And that led to definitions such as survive the ground, you know, and stuff like that. It all started in that game in 1999. Yeah, but that was the last time that Miami, Jacksonville, and Tampa Bay were all in the playoffs. And the and and here's a question for you of my own. It's not a mailback question, but this was something that Gene was writing about. Of the three teams making the playoffs this year, since they all did for the first time since 99, which one has the quicker path or the better path to a Super Bowl? Like, Which, which team would you rather be? I think I'd rather be Tampa Bay. Really? Because you're okay. in the NFC. Uh, okay, that's fair. I I think you have to say Trevor Lawrence in the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I no. I that in in the other question is how healthy is Tua. That's but, that's why Miami. To me, Miami yep. is only eliminated because of Tua. Because otherwise, they were a they were a handful. They were a beast down there, and I love their head coach, and I think he's really really good. Miami's got to go to Buffalo. They're familiar with them. Jacksonville's hosting Justin they Herbert Buffalo. and the Chargers. Yep. Yeah. Tampa Bay, I like the matchup against Dallas. Just because of how poorly Dallas has played for a month plus now. Yeah. And I'm not so much not about this weekend. I think this yeah. weekend you probably probably could say the Bucks, right? I think like in the long term, though, like if you were just saying like which team of the three are more likely to be in the playoffs next year. Let's do it this oh, next way. Year. I think you meant like question. to get to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, you know. Well, this year's Super Bowl, I might take Tampa. That, that's what I'm saying because I mean, like Miami because could have the to NFC, go. Miami could have yeah. to go through Buffalo, Kansas oh, City, Cincinnati. Yeah, to get there. Yeah, no one, no one's taking that path this year to the Super Bowl. No one's going to go to Buffalo and Kansas City or neutral side, whatever. They're not going to play those teams. But I, so I think the Bucks have the best path this year. I think beyond this year, however, the team with the better future could be the Jacksonville Jaguars, simply because they have the franchise quarterback settled. I mean, if you're a Trevor Lawrence guy, and why wouldn't you be after what he did this year, don't you think he could find his way into the same company as the other quarterbacks? And maybe not Patrick Mahomes, maybe south of Josh Allen, right? Um, But he's a dude, as Matt Baker would say. Like, he's legit Mm -hmm. threatening. You know what I'm saying? No, for the future, future, absolutely Trevor Lawrence. I do like um, Mike McDaniel as the coach. In Miami, oh, I do love him as a coach. I do. I like him actually better than, than you know than Doug Peterson. Than Doug would because yeah, and Doug, Doug mm-hmm. Peterson's done a great job. But I think mm-hmm. Doug, I think anybody next to Urban Meyer would have looked calm and sane. And Doug was the Gerald Ford that they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that Doug Peterson's going to take you to multiple Super Bowls. I know he won one in Philly, but I also know that Frank Reich got a lot of credit for what happened up there from an offensive standpoint. Yeah, no, I mean, I, look, Doug Peterson has been the perfect coach for Jacksonville this year. Oh, outstanding, yeah. Um, and Trevor Lawrence's development, too. Not just Absolutely. not just the calm of, you know, recovering from Urban. I'm not Urban but, Meyer, yeah. But helping Trevor Lawrence reset his NFL mm-hmm. career because that was yes. a disastrous first year for a lot of different yes. reasons. And, and, you know, allowing him to just be the quarterback. And, got and his get, confidence and, back. Yeah, got his confidence got back, back and get back to playing – Doing what he knows how to do well, yep. In that, yep. I think he's been great. But I, I like McDaniel a lot as a coach. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, so I, I like that part of it. But yeah, I mean, who's their franchise quarterback? Is it Tua? Might be, although you know, with his health, who knows? Yeah, what that's going to be. Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows? You know, it could be anybody. But I think just looking forward, you feel pretty good if you're Jacksonville right now. And the other thing is, I don't that division to me has never struck me as one that you know Tennessee has won it so many times and they just hand it off to you know King Henry. But mm-hmm. like their their quarterback challenge, they didn't make the playoffs this year. Indianapolis is a mess until they find their guy. Um, and maybe anyway because of the ownership and, you know, they're really going to stick with Jeff Saturday after the way they performed. So I, I think that that division has always been one that can be had, mm-hmm. you know. And if Jacksonville, you know, has Lawrence and the rest of the teams are looking for quarterbacks, you're in a pretty good position there to, to get back to the playoffs every year. So I'm kind of bullish on Jacksonville. I really I, – I you know, Trevor didn't play great in that game the other night. They won it on the sack fumble, you know, mm-hmm. scoop and score, to be honest. Um, but he played well enough, and I just think the upside is so big for him. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I think he can be one of those guys that we're talking about, you know, down the road um, in that handful of quarterbacks that are going to be in the AFC for years and years are going to be taking turns going to championship games and Super Bowls and things like that. Um, and I love his I love his temperament. Like he just seems to to take it serious. Um, and, and he's he's very self critical, and he's you know wants to improve and and can do a lot of things both with his legs too. You know, and don't talk about his mobility as much as we should, but he he can move. Um, so yeah, I I would like I'd be bullish on Jacksonville's future. I really would. Well, speaking of the AFC South, Raphael uh, sent us a note and says, "I have to get your take on the disastrous firing of Lovey Smith." I mean, did the McNairs think he was going to pull a rabbit out of his hat and get a team with mediocre talent at best to the playoffs? That being said, I think Lovey knew his fate was sealed and decided to go for two anyways to stick it to the man. It seems more and more that the Rooney rule is being made a mockery and nothing will ever change. Sincerely, a former Texans fan who left the organization after they traded Hopkins to join Brady with the Bucks. P.S. Wow. Bob did say we can't, get the, we can't let the inmates run the prison. <laughs> I know. That was, yeah, uh, that got plenty of attention and should have just a horrible choice of words um lovey smith don't go leading the charge here's what i think i think is peter king would say um much the same way lovey got hired here and he had a very good resume and and, and you know a nine-year ten-year career whatever it was with the chicago bears where he averaged nine and nine and a half wins per game or per season and the bucks lost great you know lost great Shiano. they fired great Shiano. And those are a couple tumultuous years, you know. It was crazy over there. Uh, and they needed calm. The Lovey is the guy you call when you need to calm things down, right? Very measured guy, lots of experience, nothing surprises him, can handle crisis. What happened in Texas? The first year he's there, they've got Deshaun Watson, but they're never going to play him because Deshaun Watson is going through 22, you know, civil lawsuits and being accused of sexual assault and everything else. And it's a terrible situation because he's on the team, but you'd want nothing to do with him. And while, while ownership tries to make some blockbuster deal, which they eventually did. And so you've got to take Davis Mills, who's not ready to play. Um, you have to put a product on the field every day. And you know you're not going to win, but Lovey was willing to take take it to be a head coach again, you know, to be 
I mean, how many guys forget what race, but how many guys get three chances, right, to be a head coach in three different teams in the NFL? It's extremely rare. So this was Lovey's opportunity to become a head coach again. He got fired at Illinois. didn't go well there after he left Tampa. Back in the NFL. He's on the staff. He knows the guys in the building. And so he, he shot his shot. I don't blame him. But that ownership there, if you think you're going to hire a coach every year and ever win, listen to me now, ever win, that's not going to happen. Okay? Don't care who you drafted quarterback. Don't care anything. You cannot change the quarterback and change the coach and that kind of thing and go back and forth every single year. There has to be some continuity. There has to be some leadership. Uh, and if I'm a coach, again, forget the race, but if I'm just a coach, I'm not going to, to Texas. Now, I know – you know, there's only 32 of these in the world. So, right, if they call Rick Stroud tomorrow, I'll be saying, hey, Steve, guess what? I'm going to Texas. I'm going to coach the Texans. Um, and that's sort of the way that business is. But you'd have to be prepared for, I mean, they, they fired a guy after one year. They've done it one, two, three times. You can't, you just can't operate that way. By the time you install your system, and you're, and by the way, okay, you name me, Rick Stroud gets the head coaching job of the Texans tomorrow. How many people are pulling up and leaving their families if they have a job right now or um, or they don't? But are you yanking your kids out of school and going all the way to Houston to be with me for maybe one year? Because, you know, past this prologue, if it don't go well, they're going to fire us too. So, you know, try to, attracting the staff. Right? Forget about the head coach. How does this head coach talk, you know, 24 people into leaving their situations and coming to work for him? That's also a problem. So um, I I think he was treated poorly. Uh, if you Now, having said all of this, right, I've been through the Lovey experience before. If you don't think he's the guy to take you to the Super Bowl, then by God, don't keep him around. You know, there's no point in torturing the man uh, as much as he wants to be your head coach. If you've made that decision, you have to move on. Um, and I thought... First of all, every coach should try to win the game. I saw a game that Lovey coached. He did not try to win. When I say didn't try to win, I mean they had football players on the field but not his best players, and that was the final game before Jameis Winston was drafted. They had their – they were going to finish one or two with Tennessee, but they wanted their choice of the two quarterbacks because they wanted Winston, and they absolutely just emptied their bench at halftime and made sure that they did not win that game. Conversely – Lovey went for two and got it to win the game on Sunday. And he cost the Houston Texans, who I'm sure he knew were going to say, see ya. He cost that franchise a number one overall pick. And it was absolutely the right thing to do because the minute that you go out there and it's obvious to your players that you're not trying to win, don't ever ask them to do go the extra mile and, and, and don't ever tell them that it's not about playing football that it's about winning games because you can never have that conversation with a straight face if you go out there and you tank a game for, for a draft pick. So I think Lovey did the right thing, and um, it's kind of justice, isn't it? Karma's, karma's a bitch. It really is. We'll switch gears here real quick before we wrap up, and Steve had tweeted, what kind of moves do you think the Tampa Bay Lightning might make at the upcoming trade deadline? Well, Steve, you're a much better expert than this. I, I would just say – they're trying to settle, I think, their defense a little bit, but it seems to me like they've got the right pieces. They just need to play together more. Um, beyond that, I, I mean, I, I think they have enough. I, I, I'm sure they'll add, but what do they need to add? I think they need to figure out more scoring and depth on the bottom six forwards. 
Okay. I think Vladimir Mestikov has played okay, but you definitely would have thought you would have got more than two goals out of him by this point of the season. That's fair. Corey yeah. Perry scored 19 goals last year. Mm. He's on the bottom six. He's not producing this year. Uh, they just yeah. they don't have enough. I mean, we all remember the Yanni Gord, Gaudreau, Coleman line. Yeah, and how not just defensively, but they could help you offensively too. Last mm-hmm. year was kind of pieced together, and you had the lines with Sorelli and all that down there. The, your third and fourth lines this year are not producing right now. I'm not saying yeah. they're not playing good hockey and they're not doing what they need defensively and and, and, and that they're just not. You need more. You're not you getting enough production out of them. I mean, outside your top yeah. six, four outside a point and Stamkos and Kucherov and yeah, you know Nick Paul, you're not getting production enough production from enough guys. Um, I think, you know, Julian Breezewell will look to see what's out there and what he can add to that. I think you're always looking mm-hmm. for defensive depth as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think their top six defensemen are good. I think once you get to seven and eight, I think you struggle. Um, yeah. So, you know, and you know you're going to have injuries throughout a, if you make a long Stanley Cup run. So right. I, I think defense is one they're looking for, but I really think it's it's figuring out what the next move on the bottom six forwards uh, and how they can help the team that way. I think that's where the move comes. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's interesting. All right, and Richard had a question about the Rays. He says, from a fan's perspective, this has been a disappointing offseason. The Yankees made moves, Blue Jays made moves, even the Orioles made moves. It always seems like the Rays are an offseason away, and they hang their hat on always being competitive. I understand the payroll restriction, but at what point is being competitive just not enough for the fans? They dangle a new stadium idea every once in a while to get us excited, but it just seems like they are dragging their feet. No new, no real new stadium news that we haven't heard, and no big bat signed. Just disappointing. I would agree. I mean, if you're a Rays fan, tell me what they have done. It, you know, they they signed a pitcher and gave him a lot of money, um, and you're supposed to be convinced, despite his ERA, which is nearing five, um, that they are going to do what they do with all pitchers and turn him into, um, you know, a solid front of the rotation starter. Uh, and and maybe they will. Because they have that track record, okay? Or maybe he'll end up with Tommy John like a lot of them. I don't know. But the one thing I do know is if you've watched the Rays over the years at all, when they get to the postseason, and they get there a lot, so you give them credit for that, what don't they do? Score runs. I mean, how many innings did they go getting shut out in that one game? Was it 15, 18? I don't even remember. That was ridiculous. Um, and it's been that way now for nary a you know, bunch of playoff runs, including – when they were in the World Series in Game 6 with the L.A. Dodgers, which seems like a long time ago, but really wasn't. So I don't know what they're trying to do. It, it, and it's still sort of, you know, we're not to spring training yet. I think there are still probably players out there that they can either make deals for or sign. But listen, I don't, I don't know why you would expect the Rays to be anything what they ha- than what they have been, which is, you know, a team that, struggles to score, relies totally on their defense and their pitching, which which holds them up fairly well throughout the regular season in the depth of their uh, minor leagues and stuff. Um, but if you make it, if you win the AL East, and, and I don't think they will because I just think they're outspent, they're outgunned. I mean, look at the Yankees. Uh, the Red Sox aren't going to stay down forever, uh, you know. And, and so I just think that they haven't had a great offseason. I don't know how you could say anything else is that you're underwhelmed. And even some of the players that they had that were, you know, like a G-Man Choi, okay, maybe, you know, maybe he's not Bryce Harper, but he was a left-handed bat that gave you something. You don't even have him. 
So, you, and, you know, you hope that Brandon Lau is back and healthy for the whole mm-hmm. year. You, you hope that Rosa Reina, you know, hits another gear at some point and is more consistent. You hope that Wander Franco plays more games and sits in, in the top of that lineup and gets things moving. Like, there's a lot of and, – and look, with you know, the Peralta, the different guys they picked up last year I thought were good. But I don't see that free agent bat that they should have promised their fan base. Like, we're going to go get some offense, and we're going to do it now. Just They just haven't done it yet, and maybe he'll pop in, but I haven't seen it. Well, and a couple things on that. December, January is when you're signing the 10-year, $300 million deal players. That's right. It's the big that's, time players that are going. Yeah. And and it does Neiman take two Marcus. to tango. It takes someone that's that wants Neiman to Marcus. come here too. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean the Rays aren't in on some guys. But no, no. Like they were not on Freddie Freeman. He wanted to go to LA. He chose LA. Yeah. You know, it does take two to tango. It's not a trade. It's a signing. Right. The Rays traditionally, if you look back in post in pre in off seasons, this yeah. isn't when they're making their signings. Their signings are once spring training begins. Once guys are in camp, once guys now don't have a team and are looking, you know, those yep. are the guys that are, you know, you're going to sign for a two or three year deal, not a 10 year deal. The value comes down. Yeah. Because I wonder how many free agents want to commit 10 years to Tampa Bay, not knowing. Probably not. Lots many. of things. I mean, with, with the organization yeah. and, and, you right. know, revenue side of it being part of it. I mean, sure. You know, your contract's guaranteed, but what are you, what team's going to be around you? So sure. the Rays will start making signings, and it'll. It's not going to be. It's not Raphael Devers. It's not Xander Bogarts. It's not. It's not going to be those guys, right? But you hope, and at this point, you have to trust in the Rays organization because they've mm-hmm. done it for many years. That they'll find some of those bats come late February, early March, right. that are available. There, it's not right. going to be like Freddie Freeman last year, which the Rays were in on. Right. And and it you know looks like they're not going to you know they they didn't sign Aaron Judge this year. You know, right. that, it's that's just the you know for what the Rays are market size wise and revenue and the amount they're going to spend wise they're not going to get the the biggest guys and those are the guys that signed December January. The Rays have always signed guys in February March whether it's been and you go back through the list of guys that they've signed that have done well. Corey Dickerson who did very well here in Tampa Bay. I mean, you know, Wilson Ramos, um, mm-hmm. Jeff Kepinger, uh, you know, all these guys that weren't necessarily sexy signings at the time, but did fairly well at the Rays. Are they Aaron Judge type bat? No. Are they Mookie Betts type bat? No. Uh, Bryce Harper? No. I mean, that's not who you're going to get at the Rays. That's what you're hoping you're cultivating in Wander Franco and young guys coming up, Aranda and all these other young guys you have coming up. You're hoping those guys develop into those players because you're not going to get yeah. those signings as free agents. So, who know? I mean, it's disappointing that the Rays made a big signing and it was a pitcher. Yeah, Th- exactly. that part is like you know you were hoping, hey, Rays signed somebody. You hoping it's a hitter? Uh, hopefully, he right. turns into a really good pitcher for this organization. And for them to give three years, thirty or forty million dollars, they must think dollars. he's going to be a really good one for them. And yeah. You know, if you can go out and throw out Glass now and McClanahan and Eflin as your one, two, three, and then you've got Rasmus in the Springs or whoever else behind Pretty them. Good, yeah, yeah. Maybe you don't need the biggest bat in the world to help this offense. You're going to need some. I mean, you got to figure out who's going to play first base. Um, you know, and it's a guy like a Trey Mancini going to be signed. 
You know, he's yeah. out there. Older player, will sign for a year or two deal. Um, Yuri Gurriel, another one who's, what, 37, 38 years old? Um, maybe even older than that, you know, for a one- or two-year deal. I, you're going to see some of those guys sign here. Yeah. I, which ones and when, I, you're not going to get that till February or March. Yep, I think you're right. And they sometimes they make deals like the one they made for Randy Orozarena. I mean, you could get young players uh, with certain trades as well. So. Here, I mean, here the other part of that is the Rays have a deep farm system. That's they right. have prospects they can deal. If they mm-hmm. want somebody... They can make it happen. They've got enough guys down there to make it happen. Yeah, it doesn't have to be just free agency. It can also be through trade. So, yeah, we're still a ways from spring training. Um, not as far. Uh, I mean, as you it's think. been underwhelming for now, but mm-hmm. that should have been expected for the Rays as of January 11th as this podcast drops. Great mailbag questions uh, both days, actually. And of course, we'll be out there talking to the Bucks as they begin preparation for their game on Monday night against those Dallas Cowboys, I really believe, and all of that. So it should be interesting. Um, I I don't know exactly what to expect. Uh, I think they have a, a, a very good chance to win this game, surprisingly, uh, despite this, the 8-9 and nine season that they've had. Um, but I think, you know, I think they're in pretty good shape health-wise. We'll find out more about, you know, Guys like Robert Hainsey, is Ryan Jensen on, on the mend. Uh, overall, though, just in terms of everybody, I think it'll be the healthiest they've been in quite some time, maybe since they played the Cowboys back in September. Uh, just a reminder to uh, support our folks at May Electric Solar. If you're looking to save money on an electric bill, give these folks a call. Uh, they're the solar energy experts. It's May Electric Solar. Here's their number, 727-819-2862. Schedule free estimate. Lower your electric bill. All year long. It's May Electric Solar at 727-819-2862. Thanks for listening. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 